This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey everyone, just a reminder that new episodes of Stories with Sapphire will return in two weeks. On my hiatus, I've been sharing the work of fellow podcasters that I admire and know you'll love too. Today, I want to introduce you to Jim Perry of Euphemet. He is truly a kindred spirit whose work I'm a huge fan of and appreciate for the empathetic way he shares these real paranormal stories. The episode you're about to hear gave me absolute chills when I first heard it. And now, it's story time. I had a Uber pick me up from work, and on the way home, she was just talking, and she's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm in the back seat trying to listen to her, but I keep seeing this guy in, like, a military uniform come into my thoughts. And he's very like, can you say something? Can you speak up? And I'm like, oh, God, no, I don't want to do this. And finally, I, you know, we make a turn and we're like maybe two streets away from my house. And I, I put my hand on her shoulder and she gets quiet because that's that's already weird. Like your passenger just put his hand on your shoulder. What the hell? <laughs> and I said, um, is your dad dead? <laughs> and I thought that she was going to be like, get the fuck out of my car. And she slows down. She pulls over and she goes, uh-uh, we're not doing this while I'm driving. I'm pulling over. We can do this when I pull over. And I'm like, oh, shit, she's going to fight me. And uh, she pulls over and she goes, yes, but I'm not telling you anything. I want you to tell me what you're thinking right now. And I said, I keep getting this guy who's in a military uniform and he's kind of like yelling at me to get your attention to say hey go ahead and sell it let it go it's not a big deal you need to stop worrying about it just let it go and by the way everything's gonna go great <laughs> and that's it and she was super cool about it and I, I didn't know this at the time, but after after we shared this experience, she told me she was very religious. So she, you know, she had those mannerisms after I said that to her. She goes, Jesus, Lord Almighty. Oh, yes. She's like, I've been waiting on this for forever. And she got real excited. She started crying and she goes, both of my parents died. And they died a few months uh, away from each other. My dad was a career military and we actually pulled over next to the base that he worked at his whole life. And I was like, what? And, and it was true. We There's a base really close to where I live. And she said, this is this is where he used to work. So it's weird that we, this is where I decided to pull over. And she said, when they died, they left me the house. I've been having some health issues, which I could feel right away when I got in the car. I felt like she had a cloud over her. You know, she was very like, she was there, but she was somewhere else in her in her mind she's like they left me their house and i've had some health issues recently i have a big surgery coming up next week 
I'm worried about that. And the house payments are just becoming too much. And, and my parents own that house for forever. And I feel guilty because I don't know if I should keep it and continue to struggle and stress out or if I should sell it. And my grandkids have offered to buy it, but I don't want that burden on them either. You just answered my question. You just made everything crystal clear. It's okay for me to sell it. I think that's what my dad means by let it go. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Like, it's not worth your help. And by the way, everything will be fine next week. she That's when she's getting her surgery or her procedure or something. So she was like, I'm so thankful. I'm so glad I picked you up. This, you just answered all my questions. I feel so much better. I can't wait to put the house up on the market. And I was like, yay. <laughs> You know, like, please take me home now. <laughs> so, <laughs> or I can walk whichever's best. <laughs> so, you know, but it's so random. It's so random. And I think that's why it makes me so uncomfortable. And being an empath, I can just, I can read people, you know. I can read a room. I know when people are uncomfortable or... It just certain things come easy to me, and I think back then I just didn't know. I'm Jim Perry, and this is Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. This time, from the shadows, a psychic empath's true powers are revealed. Next, on Euphemet. Thin Veil sees no stranger, the other side left for us to wonder. But for a few who can hear, sense, feel them, these visitors never go away. For Hugo, they're in his head, they flood his heart, and they stab at his guts because they must be heard. Somewhere under a hot Arizona sun, Hugo takes a break from painting. Surrounded by his art, antlers drip neon color. A buffalo stands alone. An iridescent cloud covers a full moon on a canvas filled with stars. It's moving work, and you can really feel it. Maybe it's close to the edge of something else. Perhaps it's a peek through the eyes of someone who sees things just a little different. When he was a kid, he didn't know why it kept happening, but... I always knew, like, things were, were different around me. When we started house shopping, that's when it started coming out the most. Still remember, one of the first houses that we looked at. Pulled up, chain link fence in the front, nice, beautiful green grass. And I was in the back seat with my mom and my sister. And I look at the house, and the first thing I see is on one of the walls, sitting in the chair, so she would be facing the floor is an old lady so she was not on the ground she was her chair was on the wall when i saw her kind of looking over and smiling but it was the ugliest most putrid smile ever and that's the image that i got it's not like i'm seeing you it's almost like a quick like a boom like a flash like bam there's an image and i was a little kid, you know, and as soon as that image hit me, I grabbed onto my mom and my mom, she was always very in tune with me. She said, you know, what's the matter? 
And I said, hey, look, there's no lady in this house. I just saw her. She's in there. She's not nice. She's in that back room right there. I'm like, mom, I don't want to go in this house. And I started freaking out, started panicking. I thank God for my mom because she said to my dad, she's like, hey, we're not going in this house. And he's like, well, why not? She's like, no, you know, what? I, I don't really like it. And she, she made something up. And she told him later, you know, what I had told her. And my father was very, um, oh, man, he's old school and a drinker back then. And, and, and unfortunately, he was physically abusive towards me back then. And, you know, he, he went the typical, ah, he needs to stop being such a pussy and blah, blah, blah. And right away, I was like, this is strange. This isn't right. Like, why? Why is this happening to me? We fast forward. My dad's talking to my mom and he's got this look like disbelief. He's, he's just like, I, 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 what? Are you sure? Are you, are you positive? And uh, being the nosy little kid that I was, you know, I walk in and he walks away from my mom. And I'm like, what's wrong with, what's wrong with dad? You know, what's, what's his deal? <laughs> and... Vera, the lady that was the realtor, told him that, yes, there was an elderly woman that lived there, and she passed away in the house. She passed away in one of the back rooms, and I right away was like, I knew it, you know, I was like, oh, I told you, you know, <laughs> I had, I won, I had a victory, you know, it wasn't a good one, but I was just like, oh, yes, Fuck him. <laughs> you know, I hope he's terrified. <laughs> and uh, he looked terrified, this man. He just looked like, I can't believe this shit, you know? Because my dad is very like, if I don't see it, I'm not going to believe it. You know, if, if it doesn't happen, if, if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. <laughs> and I'm like, that's an awful way to think. <laughs> they were never far away. Tangled somewhere in grass like snakes... The visitors slithered through Hugo's tender years in mysterious ways. So out of nowhere, my mom started bringing home these. They almost look like antique dolls. You know, they're, they're on a stand. So they have this thing on their back so they can stand up. And like their body is made of plush. But their legs, their hands and their face are porcelain. And they're very delicate, so you can, you're you not allowed to play with these, but my sister wanted to, you know. And the way they're set up, they're just always kind of staring into the distance. The one in particular that really freaked me out, it was really, like, unassuming, you know. Just a green dress, a uh, little frilly skirt at the bottom, golden locks, and just it would just stare off. But I felt every time I walked by it, you know, that feeling where you feel like something is following you or the eyes are moving. But that's impossible because the eyes were painted on to this porcelain head. You know, they weren't actual eyes. These these are like the broken dolls you see in horror movies where they walk in and they're all shattered all over the place. That's what it was like. So I think my sister got one of those she wanted one of those and they and they said you know you're too young for this and they got her one that instead of porcelain where there wasn't plush it was plastic and if you laid it down the eyes would close and if you picked it up the eyes would open and I said out loud I said you know what all these dolls are freaking me out I heard that sometimes spirits can inhabit dolls because they're empty they're empty vessels and this was something I had 
read about, looked up. You know, I back then, I'm going to date myself here, but we had encyclopedias. You know, I didn't have the internet when I was that young, and so I did a lot of reading because I wanted to know what was wrong. I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, why am I like this? What's how come weird things happen to me all the time? And you know, I said that in front of my dad, and I said it out loud, and he was livid. You need to stop being such a pussy. You need to act like a man. Get in your pajamas and go to bed, and I'll be right there. And I thought, oh man, I'm gonna get my ass beat. Like, oh, why did I say anything? And he walks into the room, and he's got my sister's doll in his hand. And he said, "Okay, get in bed. I'll tuck you in." And then he put that doll at the on my feet, at the end of the bed. He puts it right on my feet, and he said, "You're gonna learn that there's nothing to be afraid of, and that you're making these things up, and you're just freaking people out, and you need to stop talking like this because Satan, blah blah blah." I forgot what he said, but something he he threw church in there somehow. He walked out and turned the hallway light on. But then he he left the door cracked just so that when the light came in, it shined right at my feet where the doll was. I'm like, why, why? You know, I'm like, what the hell? So he was like adding to the horror. <laughs> so I fall asleep, and my sister's sleeping with my parents. She wasn't in the room. So, and I think they did that on purpose. My dad did that on purpose. You know, he's gonna sleep in there by himself. And I wake up again. I was like, just don't look at the doll. Just go back to bed. Don't look at the doll. But like a car crash, you can't look away. <laughs> and I start looking down at my feet, and I see the doll, and it's you know the the head is turned away from me, and I'm like, oh thank God. <laughs> and as I'm about to kick this doll off, and I, and I know what this is gonna sound like. It's gonna sound like a child's imagination. It's gonna sound crazy, and and uh, you know it's it's part of the reason why I don't always share my stories. <laughs> But I swear to you on everything that I could possibly swear on that the minute that thought entered my head and I said, I'm going to kick this doll off and just tell my dad in the morning that it must have fell off, which I mean, that's rational, you know, it moved and it wasn't my feet because the minute I saw it jerk, I just my I just went rigid, like I froze up. To this day, I swear that doll did like some sort of a push-up. I could feel it on my ankles, and the head turned, and it fell back down with its eyes open. I tried to to yell. I tried to scream, and I couldn't. And I was calling for my mom and my dad, but it was like a. Like when you're choking or, or you've lost your voice, you know, I was like, Mom. like, and, and I was in a full panic and I pissed myself and that's how terrified I was. And I remember just passing out. You know, my sister woke up early the next day and, um, you know, she caught me taking my sheets off and, and, you know, changing before my parents got up because when you're a little kid and you piss the bed, you better clean it up before your parents get up, you know? 
And um, she just, I don't know, my sister and I were very close growing up. She's only two and a half years younger than me. So so she, she, she looks at me and she could just tell right away, you know, she's like, what's the matter? What's wrong with you? And I, and I said, you know, if I tell you, you're going to just laugh at me. You're going to think I'm, I'm crazy. I told her the whole story like I just told you. And she left the room. And I thought, man, I pissed her off. And came back with a pair of scissors. She's like, let's go cut this doll up <laughs> into pieces and throw it away and never talk about it again. Oh, thank God. I was crying. I was like, you believe me? <laughs> and she did. And and we were in the backyard making sure our parents weren't up yet and just cutting this thing, this doll up. And I'm like, don't you like your doll? And she's like, I never liked this thing. She's like, it creeps me out, too. And I was like, yes, yes, it does creep. It does creep you out. You're right. Let's, you know, I wanted to burn it, but she's like, no, don't play with fire. And she's always been very rational. <laughs> she balances me out. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As soon as we cut that thing up and we threw it away, I was good. I was like, okay, cool. Like, man, you know, she's so loyal to her brother. Like, that's so cool. It felt great. If, Like I said, even saying it now, I, I think I sound crazy. I felt crazy. I felt like there's something wrong with me, you know? And to, and to see her reaction and how cool she was about it, and it felt great. And, and the fact that she wouldn't she wasn't going to snitch me out you know to my dad you know i was like this is awesome i never have to deal with that again i think like a few weeks later my mom asked her hey where'd your dog go and she's like well, i don't know you know dad had it last <laughs> so she kind of threw him under the bus <laughs> and i was like that's what you get <laughs>
I'm about to paint my dad in a very awful light, and I want to make it very clear that he is a different person now, and that, you know, people people make a lot of mistakes when they're young, younger, you know, and, and things change. But when I say that my father was abusive, physically abusive, I mean like this man uh, kicked me in the ribs, you know, a full-grown man kicking a six, seven-year-old in the ribs, uh, you know, threw a plate at me, knocked the wind out of me, knocked me out of my high chair once, you know. he He was a drinker back then. There wasn't a night that I don't remember him coming home drunk. And, um... On a certain occasion of him beating me, one of my uncles had enough, and he just happened to be there. And he stepped in, and he's like, I'm assuming they got into an argument. I was very young. And I remember my uncle sitting me down, trying to cheer me up in the only way that he knew how. And he put a piece of paper and a pen in front of me, and he's like, hey, watch me draw this duck. And I'm like sobbing and stuff and looking down and he drew a duck and I'm like, I want to try that. And it made, it instantly made me happy. I don't know. I, I felt like, Hey, I like drawing. I like drawing. And I, I forgot that I had just been, you know, kicked or got the shit kicked out of me. And so every time I was upset, I would draw. When I turned 19, I had my own place and one of my friends had a canvas and she was like, hey, have you ever tried drawing on a canvas? And I said, no, like I've never, I've never even held a canvas. (laughs) And she's like, draw something on this. All right, cool. So I drew something on it. I showed it to her. I said, hey, check this out. She's like, now paint it. And I was like, well, I've never painted before. She's like, just try it. She's like, if you like drawing, you're going to like painting. And I did, and I started painting, and I was like, hey, this is really cool. I'm really digging this. Like, I I could be good at this. And I think once I started painting and opening myself up like that, I literally felt the energy around me, boom, like it, it just shifted. And in, my, and in my brain, I heard, hey, you do this now. This It's time for you to start doing this. You know, this is this is your gift and I I took it seriously I feel like the more I painted the more vulnerable I became just because just because when I paint I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a different world whatever I can't talk about ends up on the canvas and and I think that once I started expressing myself in that manner my empathic abilities just went through the roof Hugo was opened up and the quality of his experiences began to change. The visitors were different. Like on his Uber ride, they now wanted his help in reaching loved ones with messages. Many times, complete strangers to Hugo. And they increased in frequency. It happens so much to me with the company I'm working for now, the corporate environment. This is a huge company. People people around me are all in their 40s, early 50s, you know, they're, they're much older than I am. There wasn't a day that I wouldn't walk into the office and be like, oh, the baby's here. Look at the baby. You know, and I'm like, oh, God. And I would walk up to people at work 
who had said not a single word to me all day and say, you know, hey, are you doing all right? You know, you seem a little pensive and, and, and you just seem like you're in your own little world. And, and people would just like gush and vent to me. And I'm like, holy hell, <laughs> how did I get this person to tell me all this information in 30 minutes when I haven't talked to them all day? Maybe I'm just a people person. I remember this lady, I would talk to her every day. She was on my team, but we never got personal. It was never anything about her life or anything like that. And I went home and I dreamt about her. And in my dream, she was laying on her bed on her side and she was clutching something close to her chest and she was sobbing, crying, but she was talking and smiling so I'm like that's weird Like she's obviously in a lot of pain but she has a smile on her face it was almost as if I was standing next to her bed watching her do this and in my in my dream I heard I heard I, I don't want to say a voice but I I could it was like a feeling of of someone saying I hear you I know I miss you too I'm okay. And I woke up the next morning and I went to work and I kept staring at her and I was like, why did I dream about her? Why, what, what caused this? Like, why? And I started getting a stomach ache, you know, and I'm like, damn it. Like, I, I have to say something. I have to say something. So I, I sent her, I sent her an IM. I said, hey, um, I'm going on my break. Do you want to come with me? 15 minute walk or something yeah I'll go with you Hugo yeah let's go and uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to waste any time the minute we got out of the area that we were in it was a secure area we had to badge out I said hey look <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you something and and I, I think it's weird and you might think it's weird and and I don't want you to get upset but if you feel like you're getting upset or if I offend you please don't call HR on me just tell me to stop I'll shut the hell up and we could just go back to work and never talk about it again. And she gave me a look like, uh, okay. She's like, did I split my pants? Did I, you know, did I tear my pants? I'm like, no, you're fine. And I explained to her the dream. And I said, I saw you like I'm seeing you right now, but you're holding something right here. And you're ta it's like you're talking to it. And you're very upset. You're very sad. But you're also smiling. But I also felt whatever it is that you're talking to tell me that they hear you and it's okay and they're okay and they love that you do that and and everything's going to be all right and that you're missed equally and she starts sobbing and we're in the middle of a hallway and this is corporate america you know it takes the right kind of person to walk by and be like are you harassing her you know i'm like oh no she's like let's go outside i'm like yes please let's go outside you're doing a lot of crying right now we get outside and she pulls out this necklace and it's a very, you know, dink, little dainty gold necklace and it's got a little round gold thing at the very front. And she says, this is the fingerprint of my son that died when he, I think she said like five or six. Uh, when he was five or six, the, the mortuary had it made for us. 
She said, uh, we went on a camping trip one day and uh, my my youngest child, it was, you know, the kid, the kid that had passed away uh, and his older brother went to go look at this custom RV. It was like some big church event. And this old man had this custom RV and everybody loved it. And he loved cars, you know, like any other little boy. And um, I guess the old man was in the RV and turned the RV on, backed up, ran the little boy over and killed him in front of his big brother. She said in a couple weeks, it's his it's his anniversary of him being passed away. And every night I hold this necklace and I talk to him before I go to bed. I don't know how you could have known that or or why you would even have the remote a remote idea as to why I do that or who I'm speaking to. And I made it clear. I said, I don't know who you're talking to. I didn't know that that's what it was. You know, we've never we don't talk like this. And she's crying and everything. And she said, but the fact that you told me that he's listening and that he misses me, too, and that he loves me as well. She's like, you just brought the best feeling in the world to me. And, and you know, she just, just was very uh, grateful, I guess you could say. And when she said that, oh, man, it took everything in me not to cry. I felt awful. I was like, oh, no, I didn't want to jog that memory up. Like, I didn't want to, oh, you know, and... But she was very happy, you know, and and the fact that she said that the anniversary was coming up in like a week or two, that freaked me out, too. You know, I did. I didn't know that if I didn't say anything. And even now, if I get a feeling and I don't tell a person what I'm feeling or like vibe I'm getting or or just something I'm seeing, I get really sick to my stomach. I get ill, you know, to the point where I have to lay down and I go to sleep. and, And it's almost like I'm being punished for not saying anything is what it feels like. But that's just like one of the things that's happened, you know, and it's happened and it's always random people, which makes it worse. It's never somebody I know or that I've been close to. It's always like the most random person. And I'm like, shit, I have to walk up to this person and tell them something, which is very personal. What if I'm wrong? And what if they have questions? I don't practice this. I don't claim to be a a medium I don't claim to be anything like that I I think I want to genuinely help people which is why I'm going into the nursing field I want to feel like I'm making a difference and realistically I know that even though I'm going into this field I won't be able to help everyone you know just like doctors they're not able to save everybody you can't help everyone which is something I've had to learn even in my own personal life and and I get that, but I feel like at least there, I will make some sort of difference. Something to fit. It's just like that, that last piece to a puzzle, you know? It's like, man, why didn't, why didn't I realize this sooner? Why didn't I think about this sooner? I think, I think once I become a nurse and, and get into that field, I, I know for sure that things are going to start to spike because I'm going to be surrounded by healthy people, sick people, dying people, you know, everything. And if I work in a hospital or end up working in a hospital, I think it'll be worse. (laughs) 
you know, because what doesn't happen in a hospital? You know, and I've, ha- I've had a few friends already who, who know about the things that have happened to me say, aren't you worried that you're going to be that guy that's like, what's patient from room 27 doing walking around? They should be in an IV. <gasps> patient 27 died yesterday. Whoa. You know, <laughs> like, they're like, aren't you worried about that? And I'm like, well, I never thought about it that way. But, you know, <laughs> you know now that you bring it up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if it happens, it happens, you know, I, I know that I, I'm very susceptible to something like that, but I'm OK with that. I've accepted that because I feel like I have so much more to offer than these random experiences. I don't want it to become who I am. You know, I don't want that to be the defining thing about me because I just don't want to be looked at as, hey, if you shake that dude's hand, he's going to talk to you about your dead aunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but the but the things that I have had experienced, they're they're meaningful. You know, they're far and in between. But the the impact that I feel that I've made by saying something is is cool. Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. Thank you to Hugo for being our guest. Thank you to our sponsors. For everything Euphemet, including how you can subscribe to the show, links to our Patreon and social media, visit euphemet.com. And for even more, check out Night Drift, our podcast discussing Euphemet and hosting panels on topics at the intersection of society and the strange. Night Drift can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Original score on this edition was by John McEdward. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up.